Blog Talk Radio.
Fantastic. Doing well, Some brother. Doing well. Guest. Very special. Yeah, I'm definitely. Uh, we've got a super special guest tonight. Uh, I say that you know almost every single show, um, but definitely got a guest tonight that uh, has done some work that's very near and dear to I think all of our hearts, um, and it's it's a huge honor to have this individual on the show tonight. Um, and Jeff, you know, uh, you're our father, and uh, this gentleman has done some work uh, that's near and dear to your heart. So I definitely I'm gonna default to you and let you do the introduction for our. Uh, honored guest tonight well thank you brother and it is truly an honor to uh to introduce the the man that i call an angel among us um his name is mike regan and he lives he's a combat veteran from vietnam he was a marine but we don't hold that against him um and, and he Aww, you yeah. <laughs> and uh, okay i'll be quiet and uh <laughs> mike michael is uh Truly an amazing man. He he has a mission in life now, and that mission is to draw portraits of the fallen. And he's not only does portraits for the, our fallen military, but he's done fallen law enforcement, um, some of you know children that have died in, in different accidents and things like that. And and I was the recipient of one of his portraits back in 2006. And we'll tell tell a little bit of that story later, but. Uh, First of all, thank you, Michael, for everything you do. I love you, brother, and uh, welcome to the show. Love you too, man. And you know, I I, I have to start this up by saying um, an EOD group I worked with in Iraq and Afghanistan for a few years, drawing portraits, um, had me speak at their event in Tacoma when they when everybody came back a couple of years ago. And Colonel Frank Davis had the Army give me a medal, and I asked him, I said, "Are you guys sure? I mean, you know, I'm a Marine. That was a Marine." Okay. And he said, well, not tonight. You're not. So, um, I'm proud to be a Marine, but the work I'm doing for fallen heroes, um, well, it's changed my life. You'll know more about that as we talk, but I just wanted you to know it's the proudest thing I've ever done in my life. And I think most important thing. So, you know, um, I see Chris every day. So you know that. I know. I know. So why don't you tell us uh, kind of how you got started? Give us a little bit of your background, and then uh, and then about Charisse and kind of go from there. Well, let me start way back in 1968. Actually, um, I came home from Vietnam April 10th of 1968. A Marine at the DMZ in 68, 67, 68. I spent the summer of 1967 in a place called Contien, for this North Fire Base in Vietnam. South Vietnam. Anyway, a few days before I was supposed to come home, uh, we were moved to a place called Camlo Regional Headquarters. And uh, it was supposed to be a safe place. But then on March 28th of 1968, we got hit. And uh, those the North, North Vietnamese and the VC were doing everything they could do to make sure I didn't come home. Uh, fortunately, I did. But one of my friends didn't. Vincent Santanello and when we were able to finally get to her wounded, I got to Vinny and took him in my arms and my two closest friends, Doc Malazzo and Doc Nunn, <clears throat> rushed to Vinny and we were trying to save his life. And um, I held him. I didn't want him to be alone. Uh, we weren't going to stop the bleeding. It was pretty bad. And what I ended up doing was just holding him in my arms while they worked on him. And he finally looked up at me. He wasn't feeling any pain. 
um, that I could tell anyway. Um, he looked at me. He says, Mike, I just want to go home. Closed his eyes and died. And uh, wasn't smart enough to realize back then, I was only 19 years old, that he was going home. But for the last 48 years, um, I've seen Vinny's face every day. Um, then in 2002, um, I was asked to do the portraits of the president and first lady, and uh, or 2000. And I ended up doing the portraits, and uh, the presentation was delayed because of this little thing called 9-11. But when the presentation finally happened, the President of the United States and I were together, and he looked at me, and he said, uh, I need you to do me another favor. I said, what's that? He says, I can't give you any more information than this, but I'm going to need you to stay alert as to what you can do to help a new group of veterans and families. He says, I can't give you any more information than that. I was meeting with him alone. Another Marine and I were meeting with him, the First Lady, and a Secret Service guy, of course. And I promised him, I said, I don't know what I can do, but I said, whatever I can do, when it presents itself, I'll do that. Well, a few months later, of course, everything took, you know, started happening in Iraq. And in 2000, late 2003, I got this call from a woman, her name is Sharice Johnson, and she asked me what I would charge to do a portrait of her husband, Michael. She said she'd just seen a NBC special on my portrait work. And I said, um, I thought I was going to get rich. You know, off a little TV and all of a sudden this artist is getting calls from around the country. I thought this is a great thing. And then she said he was a corpsman and he died last year in Iraq. So I said to her, I said, being a Vietnam combat veteran, I said, corpsman and medics are the bravest people I've ever known. And I said, I can't possibly charge you. And so she sent me a picture of her husband, Michael. And I did his portrait and uh, felt something start to change in me, but I wasn't yet sure what it was. But I sent it to her. Then she called me. And she said, you know, she says, um, I received a portrait you did of my husband yesterday. And I said, yes. And she says, I just wanted to say thank you. But she says, here's why. She said, in the year my husband's been dead, everybody that's loved me has taken care of me, fed me, walked with me, gotten me to the doctor, cried with me, held my hand, held me. They've done everything. She said, except that in a year I haven't slept one full night through. She said, yesterday I received the portrait you did of my husband, Michael. And she says, the minute I pulled it out of the envelope and saw his eyes, I reconnected. And she said, I talked to him for a couple of hours. And she says, I finished my conversation by looking into his eyes that you drew and telling him I loved him. And I felt him tell me he loved me back and that he was okay. She said, I'm only calling you to say thank you. She said, last night's the first night in a year I've slept all night. Well, mm -hmm. I said to my wife, then we need to do them all. And she's, how are we going to do that? And I said, well, I'm capable of doing the art. I've been an artist for a long time. And uh, how are we going to pay for it? I said, I'm turning that over to God. I said, I can't be concerned about that part of it. And uh, that was 4,800 free fallen hero portraits ago, 13 years ago. That's how it got started. Yeah. And then and the journey continues. The journey continues. Every day. Oh, every day. Um, you know, you know, it's like, like I said to you, I, I've told this to some people. Um, I when I open my email up in the morning, it's not like everybody else. Anything can be there, and it usually is. There's usually one or two requests. Even now, 
you know, for portraits of fallen heroes. Um, mm. And uh, because I'm a Vietnam veteran, I understand what suicide is. You know, people call it PTSD because that's politically correct, but I call it suicide because it strikes a nerve that I want to keep striking in people. Mm. And I do those portraits. Those are war deaths to me, and so I include them. So I get a lot of families that contact me that everybody else isn't going to hear about. And then, like I said, two days ago, I received a a call from the the gunny at 2-3 in Hawaii, and he said, we're doing a memorial to our lost uh, from 2-3 in the war, and I need 37 portraits, and I need them by June. So in addition to all the other ones that I have sitting down there, and I have quite a few, um, we've just added 37 more. I think what's important here to understand, though, is it's not I'm not a machine. I explained this to another Gold Star father that worked with me. His name's Eric Hirschberg. I'm not a machine. What I try and do is just do one drawing at a time and as much as I can about everybody that I'm working with. So I remember these people because I'm having this conversation. I have these posters. When I look into the posters, I can remember pretty much all of the people that I've drawn and who they are and their life story. And uh, that's what's changed me is the incredible sacrifice of these beautiful people. And, and for me, you know, and most of them didn't know me. You know, their families now know me and I know their families, but they didn't know me when they did this. You know, um, that's why this is so important to me. It's like, you know, you know, I get the opportunity to say thank you to a person who's no longer with us. And I've done that. You know, I, Jeff knows this. I had a long conversation with Chris and Chris was dead. That's why Jeff and I are yep. as close as we are, but that's what, that's the way it is. Well, I'll, I'll share very quickly how, how Michael and I got hooked up. It was September of uh, 2006. The same kind of thing was, and there was another uh, NBC news report and a good friend of mine called me up and said, Hey, you got to go to NBCnews.com and see this. There's a gentleman out in, uh, out the West Coast someplace that's drawing portraits of the fallen and I mean his work's phenomenal so it was a Friday night and uh, so I sent this email you know to the contact information and and you know no idea when I would hear back and Saturday morning I get an email from Michael Reagan and hey I've been waiting for you to contact me uh, just send me a picture of your son and I would be it would be a great honor for me to draw a lucky for him for you so I, I did, and I but I had a request. I said, uh, Falcons are very important to our family. Our name means Little Falcon in Lakota. Um, could you possibly put a falcon in the picture? And he responded back within hours, I, well, I, I'll try. I haven't done that before, but I'll, I'll give her a shot. Well, what Michael didn't know was that next Saturday, um, I was asked to be the keynote speaker at a graduation ceremony and to talk about Chris. And in the year, little over a year that since he had been since he crossed over, I had never I had not been able to do that. But it was one of my dearest friends, another Vietnam veteran, and uh, and I told him I would, but I had no idea how I was going to be able to accomplish it. And so at 7:30 at night, I on that Saturday night I started talking and uh, talked for almost an hour, and you know got a standing ovation. Everybody, there wasn't a dry eye in the room except mine for once. And uh, 
So after after the uh, graduation was over and the reception was over, I go back up to my hotel room, and at seven thirty one, one minute exactly after I started talking about Chris, I get this email from I had received an email from Mike Reagan, and he says, Jeff, I don't know why I've did this. I've never done this before, but I just had this compulsion that I needed to send you a digital picture of the portrait I drew of your son. And, uh, and that's how I got through that talk. And it's how I get through every day. I hope people just heard what you, I I mean, I really want people to understand what you just said. Cause, and just let me do this. Cause I've talked, I've, I've relayed this story a lot of times to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You were not able to talk about Chris. I did a special drawing that I've now done many times since then of other fallen heroes with their dogs and with their kids and everything else. But yours was the first. I was so excited about the way it turned out that I emailed it to you at three 30 in the afternoon, my time. And, and I had just put it in the mail. So I wanted you to see it ahead of time. You did not know you got an email from me when you started talking about Chris at that dinner. You did not know that. No it clue. wasn't until no you clue. went back to your room and opened up your email that you saw the image. So something happened. Yep. See, I see. I don't. It isn't something to me. What happened is I mm-hmm. finished the drawing of your son, and your son said, "Mike, now send this to my father because he's in Florida, or wherever it was, and he's got to talk, and he's going to talk about me, and you're going to make that happen because this piece is going to somehow make that all work out." And when you got back to your room that night after that, yep, and open up your email because yeah, you called me right away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. want people to miss that. You know, the story is there's this spiritual component to all of this work, okay? But there's this other thing going on, and that's part of what I was talking about a minute ago. It's this is what the love's about. There's three people involved in every portrait I do. Three people: me, the person who's passed, and the family. And everybody's involved. And Chris was involved in this piece yeah. to allow you to be able to talk about him. Absolutely. It's, you know, I've, I've, like I said, think about, you know, just think about this, everybody that's listening. Just think about this. I've done 4,800 plus free portraits, not 480, 4,800 fallen hero portraits that I've learned about, read about, had families tell me about. And in many cases, something personal that I've tried to put in the picture because it's that personal peace that brings peace back to these families. And that's what I try and do every day. And I do, that's why I work. And that's why I was saying earlier, my, my clock, it, there isn't a clock. At 2.30 in the morning, I get up sometimes and go to work. And Cheryl says, there's somebody downstairs on the drawing table. I ask to go home. And I said, yep. And she says, okay. And so I get my coffee and I go to work because – I don't have a choice. The project is uh, extreme, but I had a fallen hero dad call me one time. Gold star dad called me one year after receiving his son's portrait. His son was a Marine. He was a Marine in Vietnam. One year, he called me. It's the anniversary. He said, I want you to know what you're getting out of doing all this work, Mike. I said, I'm not getting anything. I do it for free. I quit my job. I closed my studio. I'm doing this for free. You're getting something out of this. And we went back and forth. You know, and I was getting upset with him, you know, because I, you know, I didn't at the time believe I was getting anything out of this other than doing this work. And he says, "Okay, remember me? I'm Vietnam, too. And I said, 
okay, so what am I getting out of this? And he said, just as cold, just like I'm going to say to you, he said, your soul has gotten to come home from Vietnam. The second he said that, I got this chill up my back, Mm -hmm. and I realized that was what had changed. Because along with your soul comes all these ability to love and feel and everything else. And he was right. I had left it behind. But what had happened is Chris and Mike Johnson and and many others, okay, uh, Ben Colgan, all these people, okay, their passing brought my soul home from Vietnam. I have this incredible debt to all of these families, and the only way I can repay it is to dedicate my life to doing this work, and that's what I do. That's why, for me, this is the most important thing I've ever done. I tend to get very passionate about my work. You got to interrupt me. (laughs) Mike, I I definitely have to say, uh, I I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. Um, You mentioned that that Jeff, you know, really wasn't able to talk about Chris before. And because of this gift um, that I truly believe that, that God has blessed you to give, um, Me too. And to bless these family members with, um, you were able to provide Jeff and so many other Gold Star fathers and mothers and, and family members with that closure and with that yeah. um, that sense mm-hmm. of and, – and some people don't understand the word closure, and, and, and some people, it, the situation, it doesn't fit. But it's it's not a sense of closure. It's a sense of growth. You, you, you help them – reach that point where they can celebrate their lost family member's life, not not continually and think of it as a negative experience, but the positive outcome that just with Jeff Falco alone that you have, because that God has blessed you to do with your hands, um, the lives that Jeff Falco has touched and he continually touches on a daily basis is just a I have a mother that calls me all the time, and I drew her portrait over 10 years ago. And she says, your portrait of my son hangs right where I can see it, and every morning I talk to him. And she says, I feel its presence. Now, obviously, what she's feeling is the love she has for her son and the love he had for her, but that presence that she feel is, feels is what she's using to heal. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a... I opened up this project to um, the fallen hero from fallen heroes from Great Britain in 2010. And we did a whole bunch of portraits and I did an interview on the BBC and one morning about two 30, my time, the phone rang at our house. This is just to show you how important this is. My wife answered the phone and she said, it's for you. And she handed me the telephone. And on the other end of the phone was two women in Scotland, mothers, they were in hell. They had just found out their sons died. They were best friends, and they died together. I was their first phone call, and their only thing they said to me was, we just heard about you on the BBC, and what we need to know is, how soon can I get my portraits done? And I said to them, I said, just email me the pictures. I gave them the address, told them what I needed. When I got, you know, I got up, you know, after we talked for an hour about their kids, 
I got up, pulled the pictures off the machine. I went downstairs and drew out their pictures. Took about two days to get everything done, packaged, and I sent it off to Scotland. And then the mother called me. I think it took about 10 days to get there, even express mail. And she called me. She says, now our kids are home. She says, that's all I was hoping for. She says, thank you. That was the last time I talked to her. These are people across the world whose kids, just like Chris, passed in war. And for some reason, they were driven to call me. And, I mean, think about this. I was their first call. So, So the pressure of knowing that, the pressure of the fact that these people are counting on me was extreme, but for whatever reason, it worked out perfectly. And I've had that happen a lot. Unexplainable. You know, when you said God, CJ, you mentioned God a minute ago. Um, he's with me every day. I say a prayer before I draw every day that I can do the best I can do. And and uh, so many times stories, we've had so many up so many times a family calls and says, well, why'd you do this? I have this, you know, I'm going to tell you a story that I don't share with a lot of people. I'm serious about this because you're going to know why when I tell you the story. Because when I talked to a large group in last May, I spoke to 35,000 people live and I didn't tell them this story because I don't want people to think strangely about mm-hmm. this work. But I'm going to share this. And I know Jeff's heard this so I have a grandmother down in Tennessee, and she calls me one day. I'm working, and she calls on the cell phone. She says, I just lost my grandson in Iraq. She said, can you draw his portrait? And I said, certainly. Give me the picture. His name's Michael. She gets me the picture through the email, and I do the portrait. No, she sends me, no pardon me. She sent me the photograph because she didn't right. have email. And so I got the picture of Michael, and I did this portrait, and I sent it back to her. And about three or four days later, you know, she calls me up, and she says, Got to ask you a question. And I thought, oh, man, you know, I'm an ex-smoker, Marine, bald guy, Vietnam vet. I must have messed something up, you know. And I said, what? She says, her name's Shirley. I love this woman to death. She actually ended up flying out to Seattle. to She hand-knit me an American flag Afghan. Took her two and a half months, and she presented it to me personally. But she said to me on the phone, she says, I have to ask you a question. And I said, okay, what's the question? She says, how come you put two moles above my grandson's right eye? I said, well, they must have been there because in the picture because I just, I don't make stuff up. You know, I, I've, I've taken braces off and I've removed scars where the families want them removed. And, you know, and I've tried to take sunglasses off, but I said, I don't make stuff up. I don't add stuff. And she says, well, she says, when I copied the picture I sent you at the copy pad and she said, the picture, you notice how red it was. She said, the moles didn't show up in the picture I sent you. And I went, oh, God, what I mess up? She says, but the moles were exactly where you put them. So how would you know to put the moles there? Hmm. That really happened. Yeah. Shirley Wiseman, that really happened. Okay. Tell me about Gettysburg. It's one of those. about Gettysburg. Oh, so this, so this gentleman calls and he wants me to do his son's picture. And uh, what I do with the pictures is I get a lot of requests and I have a lot of photographs, but they have their time. For some reason, a picture is supposed to be done when it's supposed to be done. And it's not always when I receive it. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it has to be done overnight, but sometimes it just isn't. It sits there for a long time and I don't know why it's sitting there. But this one time, this picture had been there a while. 
and I actually delivered this portrait in person to a gentleman where I live. We had breakfast. He came in to get the picture. And uh, so I gave him the picture, and we were talking. And I apologized for it taking so long, and I explained to him, like I just did to you, that there's a time when they need to be drawn, and, I, and I'm not in control of it all the time. And he said, well, explain to me how this worked. And I said, well, I have this big television set near me, and I listen to books, and I have stereo on books on tape and I listen to music and sometimes I watch a movie and he says so how what was going on with my son what were you doing and I said well I have a favorite movie I've probably watched it 40 times I said it's that movie Gettysburg that was made so long ago and I said I was watching that and all of a sudden I finished a portrait and I looked over there and I said just decided it was time for your son's drawing to be done so I did while I was watching the movie and I put it up there because it's a long movie and I did most of the portrait while I watched Gettysburg he got this look on his face. I didn't understand what the look was. And he said, God, tell you something. And I said, what's that? He said, my son and I were our Civil War bus, and the last place we went together was Gettysburg. Hmm. So the angel among us. Who did that drawing? That happens a lot. I don't get to tell a lot of those stories. I share them with people like Jeff and Joe Colgan and Eric Hirschberg. These are these people are my, you know, this is my network of, of brace me up type people. So I share a lot of these things with people. But it's like when I, when things like this happen, the first the first times they were happening, it scared me because I said, what's going on? You know, I'm a cat. I was raised Catholic. I'm one of those guys who used to go to church every Sunday and did all that stuff. And but I don't do that anymore. Um, but at the same time, I, I I started seeing these things happening that I couldn't ignore, and I kept thinking, Gary. I actually went to one of the pastor of my church one time and explained to him about one of these things that happened. How I felt this. I hate to even say it this way, but I will. This presence in the room, and he just mm-hmm. smiled and he looked at me, and he said, "You know what that is, right?" I said, no, that's why I'm here talking to you. <laughs> and he says, that's what love is. That's Aww. all he said. He didn't say anything more than that. He said, that's what love is. I began to understand. You know, when a mom calls me and she says, you put my, you know, I want you to draw my son in a tuxedo. And I did because the picture was of of a, an event, um, a wedding that they wanted the picture from. And I did, but I sent the picture out to the family and they called me up and the mother says, my son was there with you. And I didn't know what to say. I've never met this person before. I said, well, how do you know? And she says, you didn't realize what you did. I said, what did I do? She says, my son always wore t-shirts, even under the tuxedo. She said, go back and look at the picture that you, that you drew from, from my son. She said, the first thing I looked for when I got the picture from you, the portrait, was to see whether or not you could still see the top of the T-shirt over the top of the tie, and it's there. <laughs> she says, you could have very easily eliminated that or not drawn it in. She said, but you put it in there. Mm-hmm. So i got to share one more real quick while we're at this. i got to share this. So I had a You're woman sure call me one day. Well, she, she this, this woman calls me, and she said uh, – I want to have lunch with you tomorrow. I love this story. And she and I said, okay, that'd be great, figuring she had to be somebody local. And I said, uh, she says, where do you want to meet? And I said, well, we'll meet at uh, Claim Jumper's Restaurant at Alderwood Mall. She says, where's Alderwood Mall? 
I said, Linwood, it's right up near where I live. Where's Linwood? I said, where are you come from? She said, Connecticut. I said, you're kidding. I said, I can't get board members to come from Bellevue 15 miles away, and you're flying in from Connecticut to have lunch. With she says, yes. I already have my airplane ticket, and my son's brigade commander's wife is picking me up at SeaTac Airport and driving me up to see you wherever you're at tomorrow. I said, okay. So we, I explained how to get here, and at 1130 at the restaurant, they all showed up, and I stood up. It's my favorite restaurant. And this woman shoots across the restaurant and throws her arms around me and hugs me like I've never been hugged before. She's about, I'm about six feet tall. She's about five foot five. It's just incredible. And then the brigade commander's wife comes over with her and we sit down to lunch. And for the next three and a half hours, we talk about her son. And she has these things that she wanted me to have that were her sons. Okay. So I said, she looks at her watch at about three thirty, and she's up. Oh, I got to get back to the airport. And I was amazed. I said, you really flew here just to have lunch with me? And she says, that's all. She says, we've got to get back to the airport. And I looked at her and I said, i got to ask a question. She says, okay. I said, why would you fly all the way across the country just to have lunch with me? And without hesitation, she looked at me and she said, because the person who did the portrait you gave me had to have been with my son when it was done. She said, She said, you have, you have in trouble with this. She said, you had to have been the last person to see my son alive. Mm. Then we got up and she put her arms around me and held me in a way I've never, never felt since ever. And after she left, I sat back down and I had some more tea and I kind of tried to, you know, be in the moment. And then I realized, you know who she hugged when she left? She hugged her son goodbye. This woman flew 3,000 miles to be able to say goodbye. You know the healing part we were talking about? The closure? Yeah. She came here to to realize the closure that had been creating so much pain in her life. All because of the portrait. Before this, you you have to make sure I have enough time on this radio show to tell you about the... uh, Polish portraits I yep, just finished sure. last that, year and why it's important. Be sure I do that. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, I'll tell you, you've uh, got us, way, uh, you know, I, we're usually going for an hour. Um, that's what we try to book it. In the last two or three weeks, we've gone over an hour. Um, we've gone two hours. That's what we're for, um, just as a safety net. But uh, you've got as much time as you would like, brother. And uh, before I stop talking and, and let you get back after it, I just want to remind uh, those listening, you're listening to an episode of the Hot Wash. Uh, we, my co-host Alex Maltizo, Jeff, Jeff Falco, uh, Gold Star Father, our Father Jeff Falco, and we're honored to have uh, an amazing Vietnam veteran, United States Marine Corps Vietnam veteran, and uh, artist. And I definitely, uh, I'll say it, uh, the Lord definitely works uh, through His hands. Um, Mike Regan. Uh, if you'd like to call in and speak live on the air tonight, the number is 563-999-3015. Once again, we're live on the air with the Hot Wash. If you'd like to call in, the number is 563-999-3015. We're live on the air with artist Mike Regan. Go ahead, sir. March 25th, 
2015. First of all, let me let me do this. We'll go to January 2015, and I receive a call from the Medal of Honor Foundation in Washington, D.C. And they tell me I've been nominated for the Service Before Self Honors or the Civilian Medal of Honor. And I'm I'm thinking it's a joke. I have a lot of friends like that who would do that to me, you know. And so I, I'm going, yes, okay, great, you bet, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so we hang up, and then the next day, because I have call, you know, I can track who called me. I call him back, and I said, this is Mike Regan. Did you guys call me yesterday? And this woman on the phone starts laughing, and she's at the Medal of Honor Foundation, which is all Medal of Honor recipients. And she says, she looks at the, and the people around her, she says, it's Mike Regan. He doesn't think we really called him yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so what did you really call me for? And she says, you were nominated for this medal. And you're one of the 20 finalists, and we need you to come back to Washington, D.C. on March 25th to receive it. And I said, wow, I was blown away. Um, I said, nominated? And she says, yes, what happens is everybody's nominated. Then a group of Medal of Honor recipients evaluate the nominations, and they narrow it down to 20. And then that 20 is given to another group of Medal of Honor recipients who decide who the recipient of the medal is. And I said, so I'm a finalist. And she says, yes. And I said, you know, I said, I'm so proud of that. I mean, that's incredible. Obviously, it was. I said, but I'm so busy with the portraits. I said, spending four days in D.C. and not getting these portraits done. I said, the portraits are my primary focus in my life. I said, I can't do that. I got a mothers and wives and husbands and daughters waiting for my portraits. So I said, as proud as I am of being nominated, I said, if I'm a finalist, I said, I really just can't come back and spend the time in D.C. Then it gets quiet real fast. And she comes on the phone and she says, I'm not supposed to tell you this. She says, press release isn't for two weeks, so don't tell anybody. And I said, okay, so what? And she says, no, you're the medal recipient. It was unanimous. I went, I won't tell you what I said. Let's just say I used a word that Marines use sometimes on the phone. She started laughing. And I, she says, but you got to be here to get it. I said, I'm coming. She says, uh, they made all the reservations. So on March 22nd, I flew into D.C. Uh, March 23rd, with my friend Eric Hirschberg, I went to Section 60 at Arlington Cemetery and spent the day with or I We went to Eric's son, Eric Hirschberg's grave. And I stood there, and we cried and looked over Eric's grave. And as I looked up at Arlington, I noticed all the other gravestones in Section 60, and I'd drawn most of them. And I almost lost it. I'm serious. almost lost it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I decided to just take my cell phone and walk around to the graves. I was going to say just a prayer on all the graves that I had drawn. And I had my cell phone, and I think Jeff was the first one yeah. I called. And I said, hey, Jeff, yeah. I'm standing here at Chris's grave, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I did, did that for many didn't I? I? You know, I, I did oh, that yeah. for many and of you, the you know where I And you know where I was? I don't think I ever told you where I was. When you called, the moment you called, I was standing at Chris's Stone at 3rd Group Memorial, at the 3rd Special Forces Group Memorial here at Fort Bragg. I had just got here for the sniper competition. And the first thing I do whenever I come to Bragg is I go to Chris's Stone. And so I'm standing there and my cell phone rings. I don't ever answer my phone, but I saw it was you. So you're standing well, at Chris's grave at Arlington, and I'm standing at his stone in, at Fort Bragg when you called. It was an incredible day, and I spent. And then as we were leaving, another funeral was coming in, so we stayed 
and just participated in that other service. Two days later, I'm sitting in Arlington, and, and uh, I'm sitting on stage in the Women's Museum near the Visitor Center. As a Vietnam vet, Medal of Honor recipient is putting this medal around my neck as another Vietnam vet, General Fritz, who's another Medal of Honor recipient, is reading the proclamation. And I'm like, it's surreal. I, I can't believe this is happening to me. And uh, I certainly don't feel deserving. I didn't, okay? So after we get done there, we go to the Army-Navy Club in D.C., and we have a dinner, cocktail dinner party with uh, Medal of Honor recipients. That's all. And some press. And uh, I was able to sneak my uh, Corman Duck Nunion with me. I'd flown him up for the event and another friend of mine who had flown up. And uh, so we were there talking. And, you know, at one point I grabbed the medal around my neck, and I had my hand on it, and I was squeezing it hard. And I had to go for a walk. I told my wife, I said, I need to go look at the art in the building. And so I took my scotch and went for a walk. And I'm out walking around, and I'm thinking about a lot of stuff. Because believe me, it was incredible. It was incredible. Four days, and I was going home the next day. I thought it was in a dream. And I I had somebody from behind me say, they say, Mike, what do you think? What are you talking about? What are you thinking about? And I said, uh, Oh, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm looking at the art, and the guy says to me, says, um, what are you thinking about? And this was an Afghan Medal of Honor recipient, Army. I said, I don't deserve this medal. I said, this is pretty. And I, I said, I just do drawings. And he laughed. And he says, you know, he says, you were the only unanimous decision we made this year. He said, plus I learned something else about you. And I said, what's that? And he said, um, he says, you're going to be drawing portraits of the Polish fallen heroes, correct? I said, how'd you find that out? And he said, because all those 66 Polish Special Forces Army guys all served with us. He says, I was with some of the people you're going to draw as they died. And he says, I can't tell you how proud I am to know that a Vietnam vet and somebody we gave this medal to is the person doing that art. And I said, well, I didn't know what to say. You know, I mean, this is a Medal of Honor recipient, including me now in his group. And I'm going, geez, you know, um, it was an incredible moment. But let me tell you about the Polish thing. I gave a speech not too far from where I live in 2015 before I knew about this medal. And I was asked if I would do the 66 Polish Fallen Heroes. And I said, of course I would. I'd already been doing the British, Canadian, and some Germans. I said, you bet. And he said, these are all Special Forces Army guys who served with American servicemen in Iraq and Afghanistan. I said, of course I'd do that. I said, under two conditions. This is real important. I said, one is the photographs that I'm going to draw have to come from their families. And two, I need the Polish government to make sure the portraits are presented in the way they should be presented with the respect they're due. And then I said, they said, yeah, we'll deal with all that. And I didn't expect to hear back from anybody because I figured, you know, who's Mike Regan? You know, I'm just, you know, <laughs> who am I to put conditions on anything with any government, you know? And so about six months later, I got a letter from a guy and he says, okay, we're starting to collect the photographs. Well, the letter came from the embassy in D.C., Polish embassy. I'm going, oh, okay, cool. And he said, not only that, he says, uh, what we've decided to do is we're building a veterans museum in Warsaw 
And for the first time ever, we're going to have an annual Remembrance Day, like Memorial Day. And it's going to be December 23rd of 2015. And every t- December 23rd from that day on will be our like our Memorial Day. And what we're going to do this first one is we're going to present the portraits that you've done of all of these 66 fallen heroes. So we ended up doing 66 fallen heroes and framing them and sending them to Warsaw along with 66 duplicate originals of those same fallen heroes and sent them framed to Warsaw, 132 pieces of art. And the museum was opened. A friend of mine actually went over there, a guy named Bob Mihalik went over there and, and represented me and the project. He cut the ribbon at the Veterans Museum mm-hmm. first time, first time in Poland. And the pictures, the duplicate originals are going to be displayed forever. And they had a three-day event where at Chris, their Christmas party on the 23rd, mm-hmm. they actually presented the portraits to all of the family members of all the fallen heroes from Warsaw and Iraq, Afghanistan. Thinking to myself, an incredible thing has begun in Poland because of the Fallen Hero Portrait Project. It amazes me when I talk about it. Now I'm going to go back and give a follow-up speech April 12th to that same group here in Seattle, and that person from the embassy, the colonel from embassy, is actually flying into Seattle to be a part of this, so I get to finally meet him. But it was an incredible experience that happened only because we were doing these drawings and because I said, yes, I would do these. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the kind of stuff the project is doing. Um, I, I mean, I can't even explain sometimes how these things happen. I want to tell you real quick. Um, I got a call, though. Jeff mentioned this when he introduced me. Mm-hmm. I also do these drawings of... Uh, people around the country who have, who have died through other means. And there's a young woman in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Her name is Lily Garcia. She was just gorgeous. And you can look this up. This video is on the air on YouTube. You can find it. But Lily Garcia, a four-year-old beautiful little girl, was killed by a drive-by in Albuquerque, New Mexico last year. And I was contacted to do the portrait. I had seen the picture and heard the news story, and so I made some texts, and we got together and did the portrait, and I sent it to my corpsman who lives in Albuquerque and asked him to present it to the family, and he called the family, and the family wanted to do it on television. I wouldn't have, but they did. And so you can go out on air, and you can see the Lily Garcia Albuquerque, New Mexico portrait presentation where the first time the mother sees the portrait of her daughter. I show that now when I go speak. It takes about three minutes to watch, maybe four. And all I say to people when I show the video is when the video's done, I look at the audience and I say, that's what I do. That particular video shows the significance of this project. That's the stuff that drives me. Because when the mother... When my corpsman, Doc Nunn, pulls, and friend Doc Nunn, pulls that picture out of the box, and you see this on television, and it's the first time Lily's mom and dad see the portrait, you see what happens. You know, you've seen all these portraits, and, and, and I know, Jeff, you've got your portrait, and, 
And the, the moment that you got your portrait, the moment you actually saw the actual portrait, nobody was there but your family and people close to you. And that's the way it is with most of the portraits that I do. This shows that moment. And it's the most incredible experience. I can't watch. I've watched it 20 or 30 times um, because it's so important. <clears throat> but I, it, it, it hits me the same way every time I watch it. It doesn't get old. The portrait work that I'm doing has extended into that other stuff too. And um, it's amazing. It's amazing how total strangers will allow me to participate in their grief this way. And all they're Mm -hmm. hoping for, I know what they're hoping for. You know what they're hoping for. They're hoping for any help at all and feeling a little bit of less pain and that's what I'm trying to do. That's why I work so hard on these, this work. That's why I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the medal, and I do wear it when I speak now. I said this to somebody the other night. I said, you know, it doesn't look like it weighs very much, but it weighs a ton. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, it, it It's... Uh... By the way, Jeff, you know, just, we do. I need to yes, say sir. this: we do operate totally off donations. We are five hundred one c three. Nobody makes any money, zero. It's all volunteer. But because I'm doing work across the world, you know, it's like uh, mostly in this country, but it's not all in this country. Um, we still have a lot of bills we pay, and you know, yeah. we have no corporate sponsors. Um, we depend totally on people like you, like, you know, Jeff, you've, you've been a huge help to me. Um, well, but that's how come you, we've helped me more than I can possibly repay. Mm-hmm. Well, like a, and that's, and that's the, the, the website, if you would like to uh, see Mike's work and, and if you would like to donate, it's uh, fallenheroesproject.org. Well, in the videos and the stories and the, and the galleries are there. You can, you know, we set up the galleries on the website, and this is really important. My friend Eric Hirschberg, Gold Star Dad, uh, LMI, um, has done an incredible job with the with the with the page. If you're a family member, or if you're a friend of someone who's passed away that I've drawn, a fallen hero, you can go there to the gallery, put their name in, search their the picture out, and the images. If you click on them are downloadable. So you can actually pull it off and print it for yourself if you want to an 8 by 10 300 DPI image. And we've purposely put it that way so people can have access to the people that they love. And just, just to kind of follow up with that, I did exactly that thing for all the members of Chris's team, his Special Forces team, ODA 316. And when everyone got their portrait, like Mike said, it's, it's a universal reaction and they had they had seen they had seen the picture before you know as soon as i got it they, you know i mean that night in in florida it went worldwide you know to his teammates but every single one of them when i got it all said we have to do something special for mike and we knew exactly what we needed to do so um i literally wrote the book about chris that we talked about several weeks ago the making of our warrior sitting in my recliner underneath Chris's portrait. I had tried for three years to get that book done, and so I just couldn't do it until uh, somebody, until Mike Reagan asked me to write, to, to 
tell the story that I told earlier, that we told earlier. And three days later, the book was done. But so I flew out once the book was published and presented Mike with two things, a copy of the book and the beret that Chris wore now let me tell in the portrait. I, okay. You're going to explain. Go I was going to tell that story. No, no, no. You go. You, you talk better than I do. He didn't tell me. He, was, he, he calls me up. He and Eric were here. But he calls me up and he says, can I come stay at your house a couple of days? I said, of course. He says, he didn't tell me why he was coming here. And, uh, I mean, I still to this day, I mean, anyway. So he comes up and we, and, he, and we spend the weekend together and we talk about the project and Eric's the other gold star dad. And we talk about the drawings and Eric's and both these guys play such a big part in this project. And uh, so it's the last day and Jeff has a box. He brings this box to me in my art room, my studio. And he said, I want to show you some stuff. And he brings, he shows me a bunch of things that belong to Chris and his unit only when they're in country. And, and, you know, and, and all of this stuff is like solemn to me. This is, this is, you know, this is incredible to me that he's even here in my house with this stuff. I mean, it's just incredible. But the last thing he pulls out, now please understand this. I am a Marine and I am proud of it. Okay. I'm proud Marine Vietnam vet. He pulls out his son's green beret. His first one, the one that's in the drawing I did, that his son's wearing. And I'm looking at this thing thinking, I wouldn't have never taken this out of my house. This this is not something I'd be carrying around because I wouldn't want to lose this. You know what I mean? I know how important this is. And he's holding it in his arms and, or in his hands, and he's telling me what it is. And I'm looking at this going, why is this here? And uh, he hands it to me, and I'm holding this so afraid i'm going to drop it and break it i'm going to break a beret by dropping it but i you know i'm I'm, i am so shocked that i'm even holding this thing i mean this is his son's beret i mean i know what the green berets go through you know they go through almost as much as the marines do you know what i mean oh now watch it watch it i know i know but remember you were sarcastic first but anyway um but anyway so so i'm holding this and i and i'm and i'm wanting to hand it back to jeff instantly you know what i mean and uh he looks at me as as straight as possible, and he says, our family has talked, and this now belongs to you. Yeah. And I said, pardon me? And he says, for what you've done for us and for what you're doing, he says, this now belongs to you. And I said, Jeff, that's your son's Green Beret. And he says, yep, the first one he earned. He said, this is the one he was wearing in the picture you drew, and now it's yours. Man, I'm... I, I had no way of, I had no, I, I, as you see, I still don't have the words. And I took the beret from him and I, I told him, I said, first of all, it can't be mine. It'll be mine as long as I'm alive, but it's always going to be yours. But I said, what I'm going to do is put it above my drawing table. And I did, I put it right above my drawing table and it's been there since the minute I got it. And the minute I put it there and I look at it all the time, I've talked about it a million times and because sadly, I have drawn a lot of green berets since then. You know what I mean? But I look up at I look up at Chris's cap, and I think, my goodness, um, why is that sitting here? You know what I mean? But those are the where it belongs. Well, you know, I mean, I think I think uh, for a while I agree with you, um, and it's and it's given me a lot of energy. Um, it and a cup and you know it's just um it's an amazing thing 
um, to look up and know what it means. Well, mm-hmm. it's an it's an incre- well, you know, but it's like this. You know, this we talked. I think I mentioned this when I first met you. Mm-hmm. When I sit down at my drawing table, when I sit down at my drawing table, and I start a portrait. I know what the family on their end's looking for. Think about this. Remember the story I just said about the Medal of Honor thing a minute ago? I was mm-hmm. going to not go to Washington, D.C. to be in the audience as a finalist for this medal from the Medal of Honor Foundation because the portraits were more important. Think about that. I was going to turn them down. Of course, they said, you already won. you got to come get it, you know? Um but the portraits are that important. So the responsibility I have when I start a portrait is incredible. The weight is incredible. And then I do two a day. And then I go for a five-mile walk usually after I'm done just to kind of – the way I put it is this way. I don't mean to sound melodramatic, but this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. I do two portraits a day and break my heart. And what I need to do that night is heal enough to be able to break it again tomorrow. And I've been doing that for 13 years. And my walks, Chris's cap, um, the, the things that I was given by this mom in Connecticut, um, a couple of other, you know, I, and Chris's street sign is right where it's right over the table too, kind of right up there. Um, mm-hmm. It's like um, these are the things that allow me, when the impossible is needed, explain this to you. I've shared this with Jeff probably about, I'm going to say two and a half months ago. I got a, no, two months ago, I got a call and these, there was going to be a service at Arlington for seven Marines who went down in a helicopter. Now I got a call at noon on Wednesday with the photographs attached to the email and I needed to have everything in the mail Okay, by 10 o'clock Thursday, no, Friday, 10 o'clock Friday, finished, because they had to frame them and get them ready for the presentation at Arlington the following Saturday. So in 46 hours, I did 35 hours of drawings. Now, I asked, Eric asked me this, he said, how did you do that? And I said, I, I didn't sleep and I didn't walk. And for some reason, there's this incredible amount of energy that I had. Um, so much so that actually it took me about five days to recuperate enough to start drawing again after I finished that. But for some reason, the minute I got those seven Marine portraits to do, I just did them and uh, totally forgot about life. Just did them. In fact, my wife even said I'd finish a portrait and I'd come upstairs, get a cup of coffee or something. I said, I'm going back down. She's your kid. And I said, no, nope, I don't have any more time. 46 hours after I got the portraits, I had them boxed, wrapped, and in the mail. Um, that's a miracle. Mm. I definitely well, would have to say, say it. Go ahead, Alex. Please, please, okay. please. Uh, I was going to say, they say that the eyes are the window of the souls. What do you feel uh, captures the soul uh, that you bring to life in your portrait? Well, it's like the little kid who comes out of his, you know, he was four years old when I grew his dad, and he's now 14. And his mom and he call me, and like I said, they're in Texas. 
And he says his pictures of his father hung outside his bedroom since his father died when he was four. And every day, this is what they tell me, every day he's come out of that room and he's looked at that picture and said, that's my dad. Um, I think the, I need to, you know, Vincent Santanello's eyes, the young man that my friend who I held in Vietnam, um, those eyes I see every day. And what I try and do is, and that's my salvation a little bit. What I've tried to do is uh, if I can connect to the picture I'm drawing, if I can look into the picture I'm drawing and have it look back at me, then I know when it gets home, the same thing will happen to the family. You know, I've, I had a mom come here one day, and then they do this periodically. They'll mm-hmm. fly in to pick up their picture because they want to see where it was drawn. It's an amazing transformation that goes on. Mm-hmm. And we'll be standing in my studio, and I'll have the picture on an easel, and I'll be on one end of the room, and they'll be at the other end looking at the picture. And I'll say, let me ask you a question. She says, yep. I said, is that picture looking at you? She says, right into me. I said, he's looking into me too. I have this picture down in my studio of a young girl. She was four when her dad died. And sadly, the mom, the the young man's wife and the young man's mother didn't get along. So the grandmother got the picture. About five years later, the grandmother and the wife made up. And so the little girl got to go to the grandmother's house for the first time and she got to see the portrait for the first time. And I have a photograph of this mm-hmm. and I have this little girl looking into the picture and looking at her father for the first time. And she wrote me a poem and it's a very beautiful poem that I'll keep to myself, but I framed it for myself. And when I look at that and I show people who are in my house, I say, you know, what's interesting about that. I see, you see the eyes on her, her dad are looking at us and she says, yep. I said, those same eyes are looking directly at her because you can see her looking at them. Somehow, if I can connect those two pieces, it allows a lot of that stuff, like with Sharice, it allows a lot of that stuff to 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 connect. It's like, you know, uh, when you said that you wrote the book and you were sitting in the chair underneath Chris's portrait, um, that's happened a lot where people... You know, there's there's a wonderful woman. I love her dearly. She lives down by you, Jeff, Julie Schrock. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, and I love her dearly. And uh, she and I have had a lot of conversations. I won't tell you about them. But a couple of times she comes up here and, and we talk. And she just wants to share. And I love it when she comes. And then when she's done, the people who brought her here, she asks them to go out to the car. And they leave. And they leave us alone. And she and I hug and cry. Whatever connection is coming through these drawings... It's more than a drawing. I've I've decided to not try and analyze it to death. I'm one of those analytical type guys. That's what I did for years. I was an analyst at UW, and I just I've decided to stop analyzing and just understand that it's happening, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So to answer your question, when I do the drawings, I start with the eyes because I need to have this conversation. I need to. And once the eyes are done, even if there's nothing else on the drawing board, um, my conversation starts. First thing I do every time I did this with Chris, I told you this, Jeff. I say thank you for dying for me. 
and uh, I speak a lot. You know, I last year, and I and if you get a chance to see this, CJ, you should see this. There's a speech I gave. I was the USAA insurance featured speaker last year to their Memorial Day program, 2016. It's also on YouTube. If you go out and look for me, you'll find it. It's very easy to see. It lasts about 18 minutes. And what they did was they sent a crew to my house. They watched me draw a portrait. When the portrait was done, they framed it, and they flew it to Minnesota. They delivered it to the family and filmed that part. And they show all of that as a piece that lasts about four minutes in San Antonio in front of 35,000 people. And then when the piece is done, I'm standing there to speak. And for the next 15 minutes, um, which is all at the time I had, um, I had to tell people why it's important for us to never forget these people who have given up so much for us, including families. Mm -hmm. And the talk is incredible. But as I said, Medics and corpsmen are the bravest people I know. So at the end of this talk, and we had a general and a couple of admirals and all their staffs were in the room, of course, and uh, they all wanted to come up and shake my hand, which was great. But I noticed when I came off the stage to my left, there was a woman standing there, young woman, crying her eyes out in this huge, you know, this huge melee of people. And so I looked at them and they looked at her and obviously that's where I'm going. Marines aren't stupid. And I walked over and I asked her, I said, uh, what's the matter? And she says, I'm a army medic and I just got back from Afghanistan. And she said, what you just said was everything I was been trying to tell people. And she just left, lost and everybody stopped. And she and I just held each other for a while. And she just let all those tears come out. But whatever I said connected with her. And I guarantee you she felt better leaving than she did when she came to the event. That's what the project's about. You know, if people go out to the website, and I wish they would because it's set up this way, and they watch mm -hmm. these pieces, um, and I'll just recommend one. I'm going to be speaking in San Antonio in July to the Gold Star Mother National Conference. And I was thinking about that on my walk the other day and decided to w listen to one of my past pieces and it's a 24-minute piece done by PBS, and it's on the website, on the About page under Media. And you hear Gold Star family members talk, Joe talks, Myra talks, about their kids' plays in their life. And, I, and you hear me talk about the portrait. You watch me draw, and it's like I listened to this on my walk, and at the end I thought, I'm going to find a way to show this in San Antonio to this Gold Star convention. Because it says it all. That's what it's all about. And, uh, but if you get to the website, you can watch those pieces and read some of the letters from the families and see the images. And it's the way I, I have of making sure people don't forget. You know, everybody knows me. If they know I'm coming to talk, the one thing they're going to, it's not going to be a funny, jolly conversation. But when they leave, they're going to have an entirely different perspective on what gold star family members have given up for us and that's the way i operate that's that's what the rest of my life's about you know i had general jacoby good friend of mine three star when he was at fort lewis he asked me to come down and speak to his command staff before he went over and took over iraq and uh 
So I spoke to all these officers, you know, uh, here was a Marine talking to all these army officers, you know, for I-Corps, just amazing guys, you know? And, uh, it was like at the end of my talk, he came down to me, he said, Mike, when are you going to be finished doing this work? I said, be honest with you, I thought I was only going to do it for about five years. I figured about 1,500 portraits, but we're way past that now. And he looked at me and he said, I've seen the portraits in their families' homes. As long as we have a war going on, people aren't going to let you finish. You know, they're going to continue to ask. I said, then you just answered the question. And he said, what did I say? I said, then I know what the answer is. I said, the day before someone has to draw my portrait will be the last day I draw a fallen hero portrait. It's my life's work. But it's matured. It's changed a great deal uh, from when I first started this. It's changed a great deal. And uh, my work hasn't changed any. I, it's not like I work any harder than I did at the very beginning. Um, it's just that all this other stuff is going on that I have no control of. Get out of here. And uh, like the woman from Connecticut and like Sharice being able to sleep and like, you know, Chris's beret. Um, it's like uh, Jared Monty's coin. I have, you know, Jared Monty, you know, 10th Mountain, Medal of Honor recipient. He died. But his family, after I did the portrait, loved the portrait enough that they sent me a coin that the family gets with Jared's picture on the front and on the back is uh, the Medal of Honor. And I carry it with me everywhere I go. It's with me all the time, every time. Even when I was down in USAA, down in San Antonio talking, I was holding it while I talked. And I held it so that I could remember to tell people at the end of my talk, because we talk about so many important things. I want to just remember that they understand that they have a duty. We all do. Everybody listening to this prod, everybody listening to what we're doing right now has a duty. To never forget the sacrifice that all these fallen heroes I'm working with have made and the families like mm -hmm. Jeff and Eric, and I could just go on and on and on. Okay. Myra, Joe, everybody giving us so much. And I just get so angry when people forget or are complacent. Um, I get calls for portraits before the media even hears about the death. A lot of times. And sadly, some of the times I don't hear the media talk about the death, and I know it happened. Hmm. So the complacency, you know, is part of the never forgetting thing, and my job is to make sure people never forget. Hmm. I know I've talked a lot. I uh, hope nobody's bored. No, Mike, I don't think anybody's bored, and I can tell you, brother uh, – I've been getting a, a lot of feedback uh, on on Facebook, uh, on social media, about this night, and you know, there's so many people have have responded and, and sent me messages and say, "Hey, tell tell Mike so much, tell Michael so much, thank you so much for what he's doing uh, for for our fallen." I've had several Gold Star family members. Um, uh, you know, I talked about uh, all my my brother Night Stalkers of uh, my Gold Star family members from the 160th uh, who have seen uh, the post that I made about tonight's show. And, you know, they, they send their love and say, thank you so much for what you have done and what you continue to do um, for our fallen. Um, I love all those people, you know, and I, and I don't say that lightly because I, I get, I guarantee you, 
I probably didn't really understand what that word meant until I started doing this work. But when I tell you I love all those Gold Star family members, I, I don't, you know, my project's not about politics. It's not red or blue, left or right, uh, black or white. It's nothing. It's all about love and respect. And when I tell you I love these Gold Star families, even the ones I've never met but I've worked for, I love them. And uh, that's why I'm dedicating my life to them. You know, I'm I'm able to pet my cats. I'm looking at my big Casey right now in front of me and hold my wife and go for my walks. And even in the rain, I walk and listen to my music. I'm able to do that. And believe me, I know how how incredible just the ability to do that is. And it's because of all these people like Chris and my friend Vinny and all these other people and people like me who who risked it. And we just luckily didn't lose it. But I understand how important their losses are. I respect them. I respect them more than they ever can respect. I've only hung up on one person in my whole life, one gold star, and and I'll never forget it. Um, Thousands. I've talked to thousands of family members, and I've only had to hang up on one person. And I want to tell you that story because there's a reason for this. It was a Sunday afternoon this summer, and I got a call. And I was talking to a Gold Star mother about her son. And she and I had talked a number of times about him and the portrait had been done and, you know, everything else. So I knew who I was talking to. And she was getting drunker and drunker on the phone. And But I didn't care. She was hurting. She's got my time. You know, these families know they can call me anytime they want. And uh, But then she said to me this thing. She said she didn't see her son as a hero. She saw him as stupid. And I said, pardon me? She says, he, he should have never known. He should have known when he was going in the Army. He should have never known. And she started getting angrier as she got drunker. So I said, listen, you know, the conversation's over. I said, you know, call me back some other time when we can talk better and blah, blah, blah. And I hung up. And, you know, I said goodbye, and we hung up. About two hours later, I got another call from the same woman, and, and she's only now she's a lot drunker. And all she could talk about was how her son wasn't a hero. Kept saying it. And finally, I got to this place where I said, because you have to remember me, I'm a veteran. I'm a combat guy. I was with guys when they died, lots of them, lots of them. I said, uh, please do me a favor. She said, what's that? I said, I love you dearly, but don't say your son's not a hero to me again. You can say that to anybody else you want in your family, but don't say it to me, please, because your son is a hero. It doesn't matter what you thought about the war. What matters is what he thought about the war. So don't say it again. So she said it again. I said, I have to say this. And I said, this will break my heart. But I said, if you say it again, I'm going to hang up and then don't ever call me back. And she said it again and I hung up. I've never forgotten those calls that Sunday um, because it did broke my heart. But she wasn't going to change my mind about her son. And I hope somewhere along the line, someone got to change her mind about her son. Because again, my project's not about politics, but I know I joined the Marine Corps during Vietnam. And a lot of my friends, you know, in the Marine Corps, you didn't get drafted. So a lot of the people I was with during war, this war that's going on now, and I call it that, people are joining. There's no draft. These people are going because they love their country and they're loving what they're doing. And regardless of what anybody, what they agree with, it's what the individuals believed and so I'm doing my work 
because of those individuals. When I say thank you to a picture I'm drawing, I'm thanking them because it was them who made this decision. Did they always like where they were at? I guarantee you they didn't because <laughs> I didn't like where I was at all the time. <laughs> Did they want to die? No, they didn't. Yeah. Were they yeah. willing to? Who knows? Yeah. But I know that they did. Mm-hmm. And for that, mm-hmm. they deserve every bit of respect any of us can give them. And the biggest respect you can give them is to never forget them. Yeah. Vincent Santanello is a name. I start my talk off in that USAA insurance room with Vinny Santanello because I know nobody knows about that guy. But now everybody does. Because Vincent Santanello died in my arms. My friend, Marine, in Vietnam. March 28th, 1968. And I'll never forget him. In fact, I'll never not see his face. And uh, there's a whole bunch more people that know about Vinny today than knew about him five years ago. And what I, else can I talk uh, about? To, and I was going to say, I wanted to add something about the, uh, the mother, but it seems anyone who's crying the loudest or making the most noises in the funerals are usually the ones that feel the most guiltiest. So I bet she probably felt a lot of guilt, but, you know, you can't be that far from the apple uh, with that type of tree. So there must be some, maybe some regret or something that she was just, you know, taking it out on, on you or the something. Lo- the but... loss is real. You know that. We all know that. We're all involved. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the pain Jeff feels for his loss, mm-hmm. that's real. There's no question. Mm-hmm. And the worse the pain, the worse the pain you know, the harder it is to take to, to, to understand what you're doing or how you're feeling. But the one person you can't blame for the pain is the person who's dead. You can't. That's not fair. And that's usually what they, they do. They gave up more than they gave. Well, they gave up. Hey, they yeah. gave up more than yeah. your pain. Yeah. So all I'm trying to tell people is yeah. love these people. You know, I, I have this thing I say, you know, I have these posters and I showed you guys when you're in Seattle and they're on the website under mm-hmm. posters. I recommend people go look at them. The po- each poster, there's now 15 of them. Each poster represents about 225 drawings. Um, and obviously I haven't been able to Photoshop everything I've done because I'm too busy working. Posters are there. Mm-hmm. And when I have a talk and I have the posters, when I finish my conversation, what I tell the people in the audience to do is this. I said, uh, Look at the posters. Memorize one of the faces. Because I mean this. Go home tonight. And just before you go to sleep, close your eyes and remember that face. Mm -hmm. And say thank you. Because they're listening. And I do that every night. And I think, you know, Mike, uh, one of the things that I, I want to ask you um, before I forget, because I, I have so many things going around in my mind every time we're doing a show, and I think of things I want to ask. But you touched on um, the work that you've done for five former U.S. presidents um, prior to George seven, Bush. Seven now, by the court, way. Seven. Six, awesome. So, you know, you did up, up to the, let's talk about the George Bush because I want to hit on that. Um, you, you did the portrait for President George W. Bush, um, and I believe you drew his wife as well, correct? First Lady yep. Laura Bush. Hug the First Lady without getting shot. That's pretty amazing. That's saying something if you can get that close and give a hug to Miss Laura Bush without getting uh, punched were, in the throat by the Secret Service. I love them. They're beautiful people. <laughs> yep. 
Um, but well, they I, knew who I was, you, you know. But even say, I'm just saying, you know. But I, I something that I've been thinking about because in, and you know, I don't talk a whole lot of politics on the hot wash, but um, I have a, a very deep, deep ad- admiration and respect for President George Bush. Um, you know, the, a lot of people. I'm not going to talk about political views, but you know what? As a commander in chief, um, to me, he was absolutely the epitome of what a commander in chief should be for um, soldiers, and the love and respect that he had for the families of injured individuals and uh, those the families of the fallen. The work that he be does there. now with with portraits of courage. Um, I bought his book. I, I got to ask you, you know, Mike, uh, you know, knowing what you do, knowing that, that President Bush and First Lady Laura Bush have your work, I can't help but think that, you know, you might, and I'm not saying you're directly responsible, but I can't help but think that you might have a hand in the maybe the driving force or the inspiration that inspired him to start painting pictures of our fallen and our injured members. Um, so what do you, what do you think I, about when, President Bush's birth? Well, first of all, uh, and the thing that most people don't know about because the press didn't report it, President Bush actually delivered a lot of my portraits while he was president of the United States. I have pictures of him actually standing with families delivering the portrait I did of their son. Think about how much guts that took. When I first met the president and first lady, after their portraits, it was in Anchorage, Alaska, seven months after 9-11, and we had this alone time that they wanted they wanted it to be alone. So my friend Maynard Tapp and I, another Marine that I grew up with, too, and I were with Laura and the president and the Secret Service guy, and um, he and I were talking about 9-11 when he was asking me this favor, and he was crying. He was he was There was tears in his eyes, and he was angry. And I want you to imagine what it would be like standing with a sitting president seven months after 9-11, telling me how angry he was at what people did to his country's people. He was angry, right? So we, we, I did the drawings. I've got some letters from him afterwards because he delivered these portraits, thanking me for what I was doing. And interesting thing happened in 2007. I was given the American Legion Patriot of the Year Award in Reno National Convention. And I got a call, and they said, I need you to show up a day early. And I said, why? They said, we can't tell you. I said, well, okay. We're paying for your room. She said, get here a day early. I said, okay. So Cheryl and I, my wife and I, drove down there, and we were at the Grand Sierra in Reno. And we noticed when we went to our room that they'd stripped the elevators in our particular elevator we were using. And I didn't know why they did that. And uh, later that afternoon, I were looking out the window in our hotel room, and there's Air Force One landing. And the president was coming to the to the presentation and the reason they stripped the elevators is because he was staying right above us so when I got to meet him the next day uh, my wife and I because she didn't get to go to Alaska when I met with him the first time and so when he showed up it was all set up so that we could meet that's why I had to be there a day early and I said to the president I said Mr. President I said I was really proud to see you again and he looked at me and he said this is what he said he says, you know, she says, I've heard from the families about what you're doing. And he says, it's my honor to be here with you. And he said, and then he took my wife's hand and he looked at her and he said, uh, what's it like to be married to a old Marine? 
And I was praying my wife wouldn't answer because a lot of people were listening. <laughs> and we have a photograph of that moment. But he took my hand, you know, and he and he looked at me. He looked me in the face because he had presented my drawings. He knew what he knew what was happening. Okay. So when the book came out, um, some people sent me the information on the book, and I ordered it right away. And I've got a signed edition that I have here of his, because for all the money is going to veterans' causes. But for like two hundred and fifty dollars, you can get a signed hardbound edition of the book. Comes in a really great box and everything. It's incredible. But when I got it, of course, I had to because of what we're doing in my heart. And I've told a couple people I know this, that the president and I were very involved. He knew that the direction I decided to take was a result of a promise I made to him to do the portraits of the fallen. And I'm sure, and it's never been said anywhere, but you asked the question, I'm sure as involved as he was in my work the first you know, a few years of his presidency that I think when he was trying to think of what he could do, that that's exactly why he did it. Um, you know, I, the book, if you look through the book, he's a lot of wounded warriors in the book. Um, but if you read about why he did it, it touched him. And, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that, um, his trip to Reno for my award, um, and the whole idea of doing all these fallen hero portraits and what they meant to the families that he presented of mine, okay, I'm sure was part of the reason that he made a decision to do the book that he's done and paint these kinds of portraits. Um, you know what he, you know it's funny. The first time I met him, uh, what had happened is we were supposed to present the portraits at the White House, 9/11, and of course everything closed down. So seven months later, I get this call at the UW where I was working and. It's the White House, and they said, the president and first lady want to see you in Anchorage in two days. Be there. We need your Social Security number and your military ID number. I said, okay. And uh, so we got into Anchorage on Friday for a Saturday meeting, and I'd been streamlined. Uh, you know, to be streamlined through the Secret Service to the President of the United States is kind of an experience all on its own. But when I'm finally in the room with everybody – you know, because I mean, you know, I got to tell you this real quick. I'm glad I have the time to tell you this. <clears throat> so I'm up in Anchorage, and it's in February and 2002, and uh, snowing like heck out, and everybody gathers in a parking lot of one of the malls, and the Secret Service allows those who are invited to this event. It's a $10,000 uh, meal event fundraiser. Um, they allow you on the bus, and they have lifts. And so I'm standing in the snow with my friend Maynard carrying this huge bag because the president's father had already autographed some stuff and I needed the president to autograph some stuff. And right in front of me is a very famous U.S. senator who I will not name carrying a big bag. <laughs> Secret Service guy looks at him and says, sir, you can't bring the bag. And he says, well, do you know who I am? And he says, yes, sir, and you can't bring the bag. The only thing anybody can take out there is a camera. Cool. So he says, take that back to your car. So in the snow... It's snowing like heck. This senator has to walk back to his car with his bag. I'm next, and I'm standing with another bag. And it's a portfolio bag. You know, it's it's huge, 20 by 20, or at least 18 by 24 anyway. And the Secret Service guy looks at me like, okay, fool, didn't you just hear me? Because <laughs> I could feel it, you know. And I didn't know what to do. And I said, my name is Mike Regan. He goes, oh, wait a minute, you're the artist, right? I said, yep. He says, yeah. He says, you're right here. Get on the bus. 
we save seats in the front for you and your friend. So I'm on the bus and I'm sitting there with this big case and coming back from the cars, this very famous U.S. Senator, <clears throat> and he gets on the bus and he sees me sitting right there up front with my bag and he's got to walk back to his seat. And he looks at me and you could tell he's going, who is this guy? We get out to the, to the Native American uh, uh, display where the president's going to be coming in. And it's funny. Um, I get off the bus, and, of course, all the Secret Service people see me with the bag, and they're all wondering, who's that guy? And I get up to the door, and somebody says, Mike Regan. And they said, oh, yeah, well, come this way. And so I was streamlined right through everything, metal detectors, everything, my friend Maynard and I. It was the most incredible thing. And people are looking at us with their mouths drop. I had the, the uh, mayor of Anchorage at the time. We'd seen him that night before. said, you're never going to get near the president with that bag. They're not going to let it happen. Well, he watched me walk right by the Secret Service metal, metal detectors with my bag. By the way, later that night, the mayor at a at the Petroleum Club in Anchorage asked me if his wife and I could have a picture taken together. But anyway, that's another story. But anyway, so I'm I'm just right there with the wife. But we go in and set up the pictures, and we have a very private time with the president and first lady. And the president walks in, and he looks at uh, – this is important for all Vietnam veterans to hear – he looks uh, at the two portraits of he and his wife because they'd been flown back from D.C. by Senator Ted Stevens' people. And he looks at me and he says, you know, he says, you caught the sparkle in my wife's eyes. And he says, I love her so much. And this is before Laura had come in the room. He said, I'm going to hang that near me in the Oval Office so I can see it every day. And then he looks at me and he says, I'm wearing a Marine Corps emblem on my coat. And he says, a Marine? Yes, sir. He says, you know, I introduced a Marine one time as an ex-Marine, and he corrected me on the spot. He says, I'm never going to do that again. He says, once a Marine, always a Marine, right? And I said, yes, sir. He turns back to his wife's picture, and then I said, especially if you've seen combat. He spins right back around. I have a picture of this. He spins right back around, and he says, Vietnam? And I said, yes, sir. And he says, he took my hand. He says, thank you for your service. Welcome home. That was the first time anybody outside my family had said, welcome home, and that was in 2002, and I'd come home in 68. And I have that picture. But it was from that point on where the President of the United States and I became really close friends. At the end of the whole thing, the President is the last person in the building and the first one out when they're leaving. But one of the PR guys came over to me at the, at the after the President left, and he said, i got to tell you something. He said, when I left the White House with the President... I was running this trip. He says, until we walked in this room and all of a sudden you were running this trip. And I said, I apologize, but I had some stuff that I had to get done, you know. And, and he says, no. He said, I'm not here to yell at you. He said, I just wanted to tell you what the president just told me to come tell you. He said, it was the most wonderful thing that's happened to him since 9-11. President of the United States. Mm. president was presenting some of my portraits over the years. And, and I knew that he wasn't going to let people, you know, press be with him. They'd call me and they'd say, Mike, Air Force One's coming in. The president wants to present our portrait. And I knew that he was coming to do that. Nobody else would do it. He's a wonderful human being. I'm proud to have his book. Proud to have his book. Um, this project meant a lot to him. And uh, soldiers meant a lot to him. The fallen and the families of the fallen. And, you know, he he carries an incredible amount of responsibility. And I get angry when people say the things they've said. We won't go over any of that, I guess, but um, he was a great man, and uh, he was there for me, and Jeff, 
this man cared that Chris died as much as anybody, and oh, yeah. uh, I guarantee it. And and I've told I've told a lot of families this who you know I don't I don't ask them what their political side is, but I tell them mm-hmm. this man I knew, okay, and this man cared, and he died a little bit with everybody that died in that war, and that's still doing it. But you can tell just look at him, just listen to him. I recommend commend um, people getting the book. Um, for two reasons. One is it tells the story of a great man, I think, but it also tells the story that, you know, all the money that's being raised is going back to vets. And that's important. Wounded vets. Mm-hmm. So, but I have the book. And I, so I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I watched the interview that he did um, talking Hannity? his book. Yeah, with Hannity. Yep. Um, I did and, and, you know, just watching a man who absolutely uh, former free leader of the free world um, and the amount of responsibility and power and you know had the the world at his fingertips and out of all the things in the world that uh, you know former presidents have chosen to dabble in and and chosen to um, this has become President Bush's legacy of giving back to the most precious commodity that the United States has, is the lives of the men and women and our sons and our daughters uh, who have fought for our freedom. And to know that he's put his name and he's put his effort and extra time into memorializing and, and respecting and showing that dedication to the men and women who have fought for our freedom um, you know, I, I had nothing but the utmost respect for him when he was my commander in chief. And I can tell you honestly today that, um, you know, if I had a choice of if there's anyone that CJ Porter could, could pick to, to meet that would be, you know, top of my list. Um, there's not one single celebrity. There's not one single movie star that I can tell you at the top of my list that that would absolutely make my day if I could meet one person that would be a President Bush because I have that much respect and admiration for the love that he has um, for my fellow brothers and sisters who have uh, fought for our freedom and given their life in support of our our and and that you know you know I, it's all true. outside of political stuff that's that's how I feel about him and you can see the sincerity you know, in his eyes and in, in when he talks it, and it's all true but think about this we're all normal people on this phone call well not Jeff but the rest of us we're all normal people <laughs> thank you so but think about what I this is something this is something I think about though I do think about this when I'm by myself and I'm with a drawing and I'm going through stuff. Think about this. Try and put yourself where I'm going to put you right now. I'm an artist living in Edmonds, Washington. Normal guy, Marine Vietnam vet, like many, many other Vietnam veterans around. I'm just a normal guy who can draw pictures. But I have the Civilian Medal of Honor because of sitting president of the United States asked me to do a favor that I promised I would. And I did the favor, and I have this medal now that a whole other group of people decided I deserved because of a promise I made to what I consider to be a great man. I met with somebody one time who was going to want to sponsor my project. 
And about halfway through my presentation, he said, do you like George Bush? And I kept trying to tell him that politics had nothing to do with my project. You know, what I'm trying to do is help families. And, you know, and I could have used his help. He was a very large, very large corporation. But he kept saying, he kept saying, he kept saying, he kept saying. And finally, I said, because I do, I said, yes. I said, I know George and Barbara, and I know George and Laura, and I think they're great. And I've met with George W., and I think he's wonderful. Then the guy went on an anti-war tirade. I'm not going to mention the guy because everybody would know his name, and I don't want to hurt. I don't want to get in trouble. But at the end of it, he got done talking, and I looked at him and I said, "Can I ask you a question?" He says, "Yep." I said, "Did you serve?" He says, "Oh no." And I said, "It's so fortunate that I served, and it's so fortunate that all these people I'm drawing died for you to be able to talk to me the way you just did." Oh, wow. And he said, "This meeting's this this meeting's over." This guy could have sponsored my entire project out of his pocket that day. That's this guy's loaded. This is a big corporation, and uh, I walked out of there. And my my the friend who was with me said, he says, "I'm going to give you about a C minus on that meeting at the end." I said, "Believe me, you don't know how close it was to an F." We George Bush, I love that, Mike. <laughs> George George Bush George Bush. I'm serious. He, this guy was pushing all my buttons. I was prouder than hell that I survived it. He was trying to do what the people did to me when I came home in 68, and fortunately I'd grown up. George Bush, if I don't care what anybody else thinks about anything else that this man's ever done, okay? The thing that's important to me are the soldiers and the Gold Star family members. All of them, mothers, fathers, wives, husbands, siblings, every group. I'm a member of every one of those groups. These are the people I work with. They matter as much to him as they do to me, and that's a great deal. And for that, I will always love and respect that man, no matter what anybody else says. Now, I want to tell you something. There is a Democrat I feel the same way about. She has represented to me the exact same concern. And she's a local U.S. senator from Washington State. Her name is Maria Cantwell. I love Maria Cantwell for that same reason. I don't care what else she does. But she has shown me over the last four or five years how much she really, really cares for the soldiers and my project and the work I'm doing. And that alone, and I've told her this, that alone makes me respect her the same way. So it's like this whole project has changed my life. Do I have views and politics? Do I have political views? Yes, of course. I'm a Vietnam vet. I deserve them. I earned them. Do I show anybody them? No. And here's why. I never want a Gold Star family to not want one of my portraits because they believe they know how I feel because that would break my heart. Because what I'm trying to do with the portraits is much greater than my beliefs. And politics. You know what I mean? I think uh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we've talked about, for those of you guys who might have tuned in or don't know, this is the hot wash. We're still live on the air. Um, we've got about 20 minutes left on the air. Um, if you're listening in and you'd like to speak with uh, artist Michael Reagan uh, or myself or fellow co hosts, uh, Alex Maltizo or Gold Star Father uh, Jeff Falco, please call in at 
563-999-3015. That number to call is 563-999-3015. We are live on the air with Mike Regan. Uh, He's the amazing artist who produces portraits for Fallen Heroes Project. Mike is a United States Marine Corps Vietnam veteran. And uh, we've definitely had the honor of speaking with him on the air uh, the last uh, hour and uh, 40 minutes or so. Uh, Mike, I definitely, uh, you know, I told you before the the show started, um, when we were in the green room talking, um, you've you've drawn several um, individuals um, who I've known personally. Um, And, you know, I definitely by, I don't, time to talk about all 4,800 portraits that you've done, but I, I want to name off a couple of names um, who are nice fuckers, um, who are my brothers uh, that you've memorialized in these uh, these drawings that you do that are just phenomenal. Um, and, and several of these I knew personally, uh, and I can say that you definitely captured um, you, you took a picture of them or several pictures of them and made um, these drawings, and you captured their personality in these drawings. Um, you know, fellow Night Stalkers that you've drawn is uh, Nicholas, Nicholas A. Mueller. I didn't know Nicholas Mueller personally. Um, Chad Tucker. I definitely knew Chad Tucker personally. I've flown many hours with Chad uh, and served many years in the 160th with Chad. James Doherty, uh, did not personally know James Doherty. Um, Thomas J. Gibbons, uh, knew him personally. Uh, actually uh, recovered Tom and his fellow crew members uh, the night that they crashed. Matthew W. Worrell, Bubba Worrell, great commander, little bird pilot, um, had the honor of serving under under Bubba, uh, and you did an amazing his portrait. You do an amazing job on all the portraits, but I can tell you as someone who knew these individuals personally, um, it, it means so much to know and to see the minute detail that you've put into their to their portraits. Um, Travis R. Vaughn, Adam Wilkinson, John A. Quinlan, uh, one of my favorite pilots. Um, Irish was his nickname. Knew the man well. Major Stephen Reich, uh, another great commander from the 160th. Michael L. Russell was an amazing uh, 47 flight engineer, uh, an amazing crew chief in the 160th. Spent many hours flying with him. Uh, and these individuals that I say I knew and that I'm talking about, I flew in combat with these individuals. Uh, and, and they were just, they're my brothers. Uh, Hershey Kantz, um, one that rings very near and dear to my heart. Marcus V. Morales, one of my fellow medics. Uh, Marcus Morales, a uh, former Ranger medic, um, grew up in the Ranger Regiment, switched over to being a Night Stalker, and uh, one of the, by far one of the best medics that the Special Operations medical community has ever had. Uh, a great individual. Kip Jacoby, <laughs> another great guy. Seamus O'Gore. Corey J. Goodnature, Brandon D. Gordon, Curtis D. Feisner. And, uh, you know, there are several of my brothers 
who were involved in uh, many of the mishaps that took uh, fellow Night Stalkers' lives that you've you've done. And there's so many um, of my brothers who you haven't drawn yet. And maybe after tonight we can fix that. I hope so. Um, one that's uh, near and dear to my heart, and I would be remiss without talking about this punk, is uh, Thomas Allison. Let me share a personal story with you about Tommy Allison. I met Tommy in airborne school. We were both down at Fort Benning, Georgia. He was a, I was a Sergeant E5. He was a nice little young punk private. PFC, AIT. And uh, he was scared shitless. Didn't know what to think. Um, All he knew is he wanted to be a a soldier in the United States Army. He'd joined up, gone to basic training, gone to AIT to be a uh, helicopter crew chief. And he knew he was on assignment to the one. Took Tommy in my arm. We finished airborne school together. And I took him, uh, I drove him back to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And uh, he stayed in my house, on my couch, actually, um, every night for the five weeks that he was in Green Platoon, which is the uh, indoctrination program into becoming a night stalker. So every night, this uh, Tommy would go go to, or every day, Tommy would go to Green Platoon and uh, get his little smoke session and, and learn the skills that he needed to be a basic member of the 160th, and he'd come home. I'd feed him, and he'd pass out on my couch, and he'd get at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and go back at it again. And uh, Tom was definitely the closest thing to a brother. Um, I've got far too many friends and far too many brothers in the 160th, but Tommy was uh, was like a little brother to me. And to see the way that you've memorialized Tom in uh, your portrait, it just uh, it means a lot, Mike, and I'm going to say that. Um, many of the guys that you've drawn, I've, I've known personally, like I said, and uh, I, I don't know if I would say I've had the fortunate or the unfortunate um, experience of uh, being their medic, but I was definitely fortunate for knowing those guys, and uh I thank God every day for the sacrifices that they've made and the extreme and sincere respect that I have Gold Star family members for giving us their families to fight for our freedom. Um, I'll never allow anyone to forget the sacrifice these individuals have made. Um, I'm all about ensuring that their memories never forgotten and that we carry on their legacy. And Mike, I want to say thanks from the bottom of my heart for the mission that you have, and thank you for allowing God to use you. Welcome. I have a piece of art. I don't know if I sent it along with all the stuff. I think I did, but I don't know for sure. I have a drawing that I did of a... I let the families choose the portraits they want done, and then I just do the best I can. Um, as with 
you know, Jeff and Chris. But this one young lady called me, and she had had a picture of her holding her five-year-old daughter, holding their 13-month-old son. She was pregnant with the son when they went to Vietnam. Went to, when he went to Afghanistan and died. He never saw his son, or yeah, his son. So I've done a drawing where it's the mother holding the daughter and the daughter's holding the baby. And it's quite large, and I framed it so that it says never forget in very large letters, never at top, forget at the bottom. And I have it framed, and it goes with me everywhere I go to talk. And uh, what I do when I start my project, when I start my speeches, I always say the same thing. I said, can everybody see this picture? And, of course, then they all focus on it. I said, can you see what it says? And you know how it goes. You know, if I'm talking to school or I'm talking to a group of people, it doesn't matter. You know, a splattering of people will say never forget in the room, but it's usually almost a whisper because everybody's afraid to say anything. And I said, I can't hear you. You know how drill instructors would do that? I can't hear you. What does it say? And the whole room would say never forget. And I said, that's exactly why I'm here. But it's a piece of art that I attach to almost every email I send back that has anything to do with the project. Because what it is is um, the real cost. You know, you hear everybody talk about money. You hear everybody talk about budgets. You hear everybody talk about all this stuff. But the real cost is Chris, Ben, and the plethora of people I've, you know, the plethora of people, our friends, Vinny, Peter. It's, it's, you know, it's like, you know, it's like we've been there. Okay. We know, but nobody else knows because it's scary to know. But my job is to make sure that when they see me, and and fortunately for me now, when people see me, they know what they have to think because they know who I am. They know where I'm going to be coming from. When someone introduces me and they say, yeah, I know what you do, in their mind, they're thinking about never forgetting. Right then, it's a split-second thing, which is good. That's what I represent. But when people see this picture and I tell them what it is, I explain to them it's a widow and the family. It's lost their husband and father. Then they understand because they're able to relate. Um, it's uh, you know, I, you know, it's it's just it's like every day is a different day in this project. The story you just told me, um, you you won't know because you're not here with me. How much that got into me and how close that is to me. But when I talk about these soldiers and the names you're mentioning, I can see their faces go by. I don't understand that. I just do. Um, I did a drawing because one time part, for a mother in West Virginia. Part of you, Mike. Well, you know, and it's. I'm surprised I have as much room in there as I have. Let's just say that. I had a mother call me one day, and she says, my son just died in Iraq. Can you draw his picture? And that's usually how the conversation starts. And I said, of course. And she said, and, I, and we talk, and I tell her how sorry I am, and that I'll do the best I can. And then she says to me, she said, can you have him holding his 13-week-old daughter? And I said, of course. Send me some pictures, figuring that, you know, there's going to be some pictures, right? She sends me all these pictures. And in the pictures, I open up the envelope. There's no pictures of him with his daughter. And this was shortly after I did Chris's picture. 
And I called yeah. her up and I said, yeah. there's no pictures of your son holding his daughter. And she said, they never saw each other. You're going to have to create something. Now, if you go on the posters and you look at poster number one, you'll see this. It's at the top in the middle. It's of a young man with a Superman hat on holding his little daughter up to his left shoulder. That piece of art was created. It never existed. They never met. But I wanted to create a piece of art that made it look to this little girl like her father, okay, was holding her. And when I sent the picture back, the mother called me, and she said, you know what you did, right? And I said, what did I do? She said, you created a piece of art that way after, way after you and I are gone, my granddaughter is going to be able to look at maybe her daughter and say, that's my dad because you did this drawing. Now, that was about 10 or 11 years ago that I did that art. Valentine's Day this year, and if you go on my Facebook page, the Michael G. Regan page, and you scroll down through some of the stuff, you'll see this letter. The mother called me to tell me that her daughter, who's now 14, or, or, or no, she's, or how old she is, she's how old she is, is now in school talking about her father, talking from the drawing I did. She never met her dad, only in the drawing. But it's the most incredible letter I've ever received. So it's like the story of the work is never ending. And again, and I'm confident of this, and I'm proud of this too, when I finally do leave this country and go home, like my friends have, um, these images will still be here. And those people will still never be forgotten. Those 66 people in Poland, uh, people will be looking at those drawings 50 years from now and remembering those people. And they'll be looking into their faces. You know, you know, you talked about you talked a while ago about um, the eyes are the gateway to the soul, which I totally believe. You know, I love the Vietnam Memorial, even though I've never been there. See, because my best friend couldn't be there with me, and I won't go until he can. But it's a it's a huge obelisk of names. And usually when people go visit, they know exactly where they're going to go look. They're going to go to where they served or where their family members at, where their name's at, and they'll do a rubbing. And, and it's great. It's a wonderful memorial. But all the other names are forgotten about at that moment. What I've done with my posters, and that's why I recommend people go see them, is there's no names on the posters, just faces. You can't look at a poster without seeing over 200 faces. And you'll remember every face. And you don't need to know their name. You need to know their face. Because those faces just aren't with us anymore. And that's a reality that I live with every day. It's a reality you too live with, you guys. I mean, I know you do, Jeff. But CJ, you know, I just heard it. You live with it every day. And just know that if I've done the portrait and it's on the poster... People who have never known these people are going to remember them. Even if they don't know anything about them, their face will be in their heart forever. I'm proud of that. Absolutely. Uh, I tell you, we've got. I hate to. I hate to say it, but we got three minutes and thirty seconds left on the show, Mike. Before uh, before we get off live, because we can go past uh, our two hours and it's still recorded. But before we 
end our live session. Please uh, tell us where individuals out, find your work and uh, where they can reach out to you. Uh, if they do have a, a family member that uh, they would like to have memorialized, please tell us about your uh, contact. Everything is on the website at fallenheroesproject.org. That's F-A-L-L-E-N-H-E-R-O-E-S-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.org. Everything is there. Or you can email me at M-I-K-I-E-R at comcast.net this work is all done for free like i said we operate off donations nobody makes a penny i don't make any money nobody makes any money on this work we do it for free because of the love i have and and a lot of people have for the lost but if you call and you want a portrait my guarantee is to do one free portrait per family and be honest with you i wanted to do them all for moms but i learned quickly that that's not the way it works so if you're a direct family member and you're the first person to ask, that's the person who gets the portrait. But at the same time, we have the ability for people to copy those portraits off the website and have their own um, edition of that portrait. But the originals are free. All I need is a good photograph and an address where to mail them. And I do the portrait as I can and get them out and get them to home to people. I've mailed all week this week. And, uh, that simple fallenheroesproject.org if you lose track of that just go to google and put in michael g regan r-e-a-g-a-n artist it'll pop right up i've made sure that's all first in the list but again it's all free you decide the picture that's going to be done and uh i do it with respect and love that's all no politics i'll never ask you for a awesome and, and I definitely want to say uh, thanks for listening in tonight to the Hot Wash uh, with Alex and uh, Gold Star Father Jeff Falkel. Uh, we've been interviewing uh, United States Marine Corps Vietnam veteran artist Mike Regan, um, who makes all the portraits for Fallen Heroes Project. Uh, please check him out. Uh, if you didn't get to listen to our show tonight live all of our shows are archived on blog talk radio all you have to do is type in the hot wash we're also available on itunes type in the hot wash and it'll bring up all of our previous episodes uh want to say thanks mike for coming on tonight and uh thank you so much for everything that you do thank you mike um much appreciated you, brother. see you tuesday yep definitely want to say uh i'm, I'm flying to in the morning, uh, catching a 5:20 flight out in the morning. Uh, be landing in Fayetteville at around 9:35 a.m. and I'll be meeting up with Jeff and Alex. Um, we Yay. got a busy couple of days uh, ahead. Uh, we're gonna go check out some stuff, uh, get into some trouble together, <laughs> and uh, good, do some great time. things uh, for those individuals who are still fighting for our freedom. We're going to go support uh, uh, some some things going on for uh, our war fighters currently in the uniform, and uh, we're going to have a great time. Alex, uh, Jeff, do you have anything you'd like to add to the show before uh, we close it out? We're, only, we're live off the air now, but uh, it's still archived, so Jeff, uh, the mic is yours, brother. Well, I've said it before, and I'll say it for the rest of my life. I can never thank you enough for everything you've done. And I love you, brother. 
I love you too, man. Love you too, Alex. I love you. And, uh, CJ. Okay. Thanks, sweetie. And, and CJ, have... thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Go thank ahead. you so much, I Mike, and I'll tell one you. Silly... Go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. Sorry, Please. Go ahead. Alex, no, 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 no. I was no, going to no. say, actually, I have, a silly, I have a silly question. So you do all your sketch, you know, you do all the sketches in pencil. What is your favorite color? Blue. Is it? Huh. Oh, it's always been and blue. Your, I don't look, I don't look good in blue. Artist? I look good. <laughs> blue has been my favorite color forever. But you know why it is? Think about this. If I'm walking and the sky's blue, I'm not getting wet. There you go. Ah. So blue is my huh. favorite color. Yeah, because you always, you know, you wonder. Because, like, huh. You want to know what no else? You want to know my other favorite color is? Oh, wait a minute. I got to make sure I say this. Do you know what my other favorite color is? What's your other favorite color? German chocolate cake. <laughs> <laughs> we could, we could, we they could erase make that. Great chocolate cake. <laughs> Anyway. Seattle, we can get some? Absolutely. Let's do it. We'll find something someplace. We'll anyway, thank something. you, guys. I'm going to get off the phone and uh, have some dinner and go to work, actually. So I love you, man. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. Love you. Right, thank everybody. you so much, thank Mike. Good morning. You. See you later. All right, man. Bye. Right, bye. Bye. Once again, you've been listening to an episode of the Hot Wash. Uh, tonight, we had the honor of having uh, former, or excuse me, United. Marine Corps veteran, Vietnam veteran Michael Regan on the air. Uh, we interviewed him about his uh, Fallen Heroes project and how he draws and memorializes uh, fallen soldiers and fallen heroes. Um, was a great episode. If you didn't catch us tonight uh, live, you can catch us on Blog Talk Radio. It's archived. Look us up on Blog Talk Radio, The Hot Wash, or you can find us on iTunes. Just type in the hot wash and it brings up every one of our former or every one of our archived episodes. They are available for download. They're free, no charge. And uh, we look forward to uh, catching you guys next week, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, this is CJ, Gold Star Father Jeff Falcon, and uh, my great host, Alex Maltizo. Until next week, God bless America. God bless the United States. Night stalkers don't quit.